Rob Thomas with Club and Resort Business, and today's uh, episode of Club and Resort Talks is brought to us by uh, Club Procure. Club Procure offers clubs myriad ways to save time and money. More than 3,000 clubs nationwide leverage Club Procure strategic relationships with well-known companies and gain tremendous buying power. Uh, pick and choose which offerings work best for you. And uh, that's our Club Procure talk. Now I've got Phil Karen to talk to. He's our associate editor. Phil, what's going on in the news today? Well, Rob, we've had some interesting things this week. Uh, we've had uh, stories this week that were both kind of about innovations in the industry and also a couple of uh, historical items to note, too. Um, the Oceans Club Golf, Oceans Golf Club Par 3 course in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, they got a four-month project going on right now. Uh, they're overhauling all the tee boxes on a 13-hole layout, uh, which and the course itself plays at 1,100 yards. And uh, it's interesting because actually we just finished up the uh, July print issue of Club and Resort Business, Rob, and my column is actually talking about creative, innovative ways that are going on to get um, golfers interested in the game without having to, if you will, go through a bunch of doors, the traditional elements, which often require a lot of time and uh, money investment, as we know. So I think that's neat. They've got a 13-hole layout that plays 1,100 yards, and um, I think that's an exciting way to get started in into the game. A quicker, uh, quicker as far as time and everything, and it's just an example of a way to enter the game quicker. You know, we have Top Golf and Pop Stroke, the the Tiger Woods project, and of course. Uh, the other thing was that I learned with that real quick is that par three courses are on the rise in 2021 uh, par three courses actually had a net increase for the first time since 2000, according to national golf foundation. So, and so I think it's neat now oceans golf club and that innovation or the uh, overhaul of the tees is going to be finished in mid September. Uh, but again, it's a course where you kind of combining two of those elements of making golf a, a quicker, uh, adventure par three plus an unusual layout as we know some courses are doing the six hole and the 12 hole as well so that's yeah, neat no kidding i played uh gary players um mountaintop golf course in the ozarks not too long ago a couple of years now yeah. but um same concept uh 13 mm -hmm. holes and par threes you can put teed up wherever you want and playing fivesomes sixsomes eightsomes whatever the case may be it's fantastic Mm -hmm. It is, you know, and you, you touched on another quick element there too. I like that idea too, of just that quick innovation of teeing up wherever you want. I mean, if we're not in a tournament, if we're not in a league, if you're not playing to uh, uh, set your handicap or whatever, if it's some just unofficial fun thing to do, why not let people try it out that way and see what they think of the game. Right. Yeah. We, you know, we had a little, they gave us a, a wooden spike, basically we throw down the ground and whoever won the hole, Got to mm -hmm. choose where we tee up the next hole. Uh, you want a 120-yard yep. par three. You want a 210-yard par three. Whatever the case. So uh, it was real fun. It had a different element to the uh, game. It was a lot of good time. Yeah, definitely. So what and else I, do you have going on? Anything. Uh, the other other item which was interesting, as we know, some golf courses, particularly ones in the West, in the South, uh, dry conditions, drought conditions. Uh, you're struggling with kind of maintaining the course. Uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, I guess right now they are dealing with drought conditions so bad that there's actually water restrictions in place for uh, people living there. Um, so Oso Beach Golf Course and Lozano Golf Course in Corpus Christi are using 
uh, treated wastewater uh, to help uh, maintain the course. Uh, at the Oso, the treated wastewater, it's flowing through the ponds at the course. It's coming from a water reclamation plant nearby. Uh, it's used to irrigate the course. Um, the effluent is a, it's a liquid waste that's been treated. Can't be used as drinking water, but it's safe for irrigation. Uh, they're using that at the Lozano course. Um, they're getting that from a tree plant, treatment plant nearby. So, and without this source, the, obviously those drought restrictions would be very difficult for those courses to overcome. Yeah, I wish more courses would have uh, turf that was able to take that. And I know there's some right. working on it right now, the out in the labs, trying to figure out what, uh, what turfs are hardy enough to, to stand up for uh, effluent water. Um, it's fantastic. It'd be great, great, great boom for the industry if uh, we can get that going on. Right, absolutely. Uh, other ones then, I was, I was mentioning a couple things from the past, um, or I guess nods to the past that we were seeing in our uh, news coverage this week. Uh, clubhouse at Hiawatha Golf Course in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The clubhouse there is now named in honor of Solomon Hughes Sr. Um, Mr. Hughes died in 1987. I, to be honest, was not familiar with him uh, before we came on here with this today. But as I understand it, he uh, and Ted Hughes back in 1948, challenged the PGA to allow them uh, to enter the uh, 1948 St. Paul Open. Both, they're both black golfers. At that time, the PGA still had uh, restrictions on allowing black players to play in their tournaments. Uh, they challenged it in 19, tried to enter the 1948 St. Paul Open. Request was denied. They actually had none other than Joe Lewis, the great boxer, advocated on their behalf took a few years but then 1952 St. Paul Open Mr. Hughes and Ted Rhodes uh, they became the first professional black players to compete in a PGA event that's per Mr. Hughes there's a training academy in his name now his website has that history there it was very interesting to learn that so anyways the Minnesota kind of became his home state because he had moved there in the 40s so this course decided to named the clubhouse in his honor. They had a ceremony for that earlier this week. And his, his son, actually, Solomon Hughes Jr., was there as well. For That's the, terrific uh, news. It is. Yeah, a neat, neat uh, element of history I had not known uh, about before. And interesting to see how Joe Lewis was uh, in their corner, if you will, on that. Yeah. So Good the other one was, real quick, I the... Um, the golf course uh, in Richmond, Virginia, Glenwood, Glenwood Golf Club. It's actually closing on Thursday, June 30th. It's their last day. They've been in business 95 years, the golf course. Uh, the owners there, Frank Adams, Harry Griffin, decided uh, it was time to sell the course. Mr. Adams, and it's going to be, property is going to be converted to a 290-home subdivision. Uh, Mr. Adams, is he's 68 years old. He's worked there for 53 years. Wow. He started out, yeah, started out, you know, he was mowing the grass. He said his father uh, was working at the course at the time and, you know, spent about three, quarter of his, three quarters of his life there working at this course. Uh, the, the two gentlemen, Mr. Adams and Mr. Griffin, both said they're going to perhaps do a, a final synchronized shot here to uh, mark the occasion. So Yeah, they both wanted to hit the final shot. I heard, I read yes. that. Yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. Well, I don't know, if, I don't know what, if they want to do a mulligan if it's not a good shot. Maybe. Yeah, no, you don't want the worst, the last shot to be the worst shot. Exactly. Right. 
I'll tell you what, uh, prior to uh, COVID, we were seeing a lot of courses closing down. And uh, the COVID uh, pandemic was, was terrible across the globe, obviously, but it did provide a boost to the uh, golf industry. Um, and related to that, uh, Brian Friedrichs, CEO of Capstone Hospitality, and I talked a little bit about that and what they're doing for clubs in, um, on the membership side. And uh, hopefully, you're not going to see as many clubs like Glenwood that are closing down 95 years. That's a shame. But mm -hmm. uh, I understand, hey, you know, they got, they're moving on with their lives. And, and right. you know, so I'm, I'm not faulting them. Before COVID, a lot of courses were closing down. But uh, Brian Friedrichs, CEO for Capstone Hospitality, and I talked a lot about not only the, um, the effects of COVID, but how clubs are um, working their way through uh, membership lists and wait lists and trying to avoid the wait list, uh, getting people in there and um, not capping their membership quite so quickly. But um, if you stick around, you can watch and listen to that particular interview uh, shortly thereafter. And uh, tell you what, next week, you and I will be back, Phil, and we'll talk cool. about uh, the, the newest, the latest and greatest going on, and uh, we'll have another guest. Sounds good. Phil, sit back it. and enjoy, uh, Mr. Friedrichs, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you then. All right. Hey, uh, I'm Rob Thomas with Club and Resort Business, and our uh, guest on Club and Resort Talks today is Brian Friedrichs, CEO of Capstone Hospitality. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, Brian, if you would, real quick, could you give us a um, like an elevator pitch? What does Capstone do? Yeah, pretty simple. We sell memberships for uh, private clubs across the country. Uh, we're in a wide range of clubs from resort-style clubs like the Biltmore and Coral Gables and Nemecol and Woodlands Resort in Pennsylvania to you know, high-end equity clubs, um, to privately owned clubs, to uh, big corporate owned clubs. And really what we do is we come in, we staff one of our highly trained salespeople in that execute on our proven uh, methodologies of sales and lead generation. We come up with a full strategic plan for the club and then we execute on the plan. Uh, our compensation structures are set up to where we, do, we really don't make any money uh, unless clubs are being successful. Uh, we've partnered with over 70 clubs across the country and, and all have seen uh, enormous success. Uh, on average, um, our clubs see a little over a 400% increase in initiation fees sold from the year prior uh, to bringing us in. So again, pretty simply, we, we sell memberships. That's what we do. Well, that's terrific. I'll tell you what, you penned an article for us and it's gotten a lot of good feedback on the uh, website, which is why I wanted you to have on the podcast. Um, basically, five things that clubs get wrong with memberships. And sure. uh, one thing you talked about, you, you kicked it off with COVID's impact. Can you kind of delve into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I mean, the last few years have been wild. That's for sure. You know, what we first thought when COVID started happening and we had government uh, shutdowns, you know, we were kind of, oh my gosh, how is this going to impact uh, the club industry? And, you know, we had a lot of clubs in the Northeast that were having to shut, shut down for a little period of time. Um, and so we, we were concerned, but then obviously we saw the boom, right? That all clubs saw. Um, and that was really unprecedented and, and it was fantastic. It allowed clubs to reinvest back into their uh, clubs, do capital improvements. 
Um, but, you know, we are seeing things uh, start to normalize a little bit. Uh, at Capstone, we track uh, countless amounts of trends and data uh, across all of our properties. And one thing that we have seen uh, very clearly is that the number of organic inbound leads, so when I'm talking organic inbound leads, I'm talking uh, website inquiries, call-ins, right? Just things that happen organically at clubs. Um, they're down significantly, right? January, February, we're pretty level as compared to the same time period last year, right in the peak of the COVID boom, right? Um, March was down 15% of incoming organic leads. April was down 29%. May was down 43%, so a significant trend. In June, it's starting to bounce back a little bit because we've made some adjustments at our clubs. We've started to put into place a lot more lead generators. And so now it's only down 38% year over year. So again, we're, 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 we're shifting strategies. We're starting to move into more lead generation uh, because people, right, there's, there's competition again, right? For the longest time, Clubs didn't really have competition, right? You couldn't do anything. You couldn't travel. Um, golf was a great escape, right? So um, to think that that is going to continue now that people are traveling again, they're having to go back to work, the kids' sports are back into play, right? There's a lot more competitions for people's uh, recreational time. Um, so it's imperative that clubs right now are starting to think a little bit bigger picture and a little longer term of how are we going to respond as things begin to normalize. I don't like to look at it as a drop because I don't really feel like it's a drop. It's more of a normalization, right? Going back to pre-pandemic uh, trends, which was still great trends, um, but just not that huge shoot up that we all enjoyed. Yeah, right. I mean, COVID was... Um... I mean, you know, the COVID boom was, was huge for the industry, obviously. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's just natural as we're getting back to normal levels are going to normalize. Hey, That's you, right. You had mentioned a, a devoted sales staff. Mm -hmm. hey, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So one of the things that we do um, at Capstone is one of the founding principles of Capstone. Uh, I used to play golf professionally. I played out on tour for four years. I would go to all these different clubs and, you know, because I had a little history in membership sales prior to turning pro, I would always introduce myself to the pro staff, the general managers, the membership directors, talk to them. Um, and I would always ask how their membership was doing. And, you know, one of the things at the time, again, this was dating myself a little bit back in 2011, 2012, um, you know, they all would say things like, hey, we, we could always use more members, right? And so I tried to trace that back to, you know, why do so many clubs struggle, right? Um, you know, you obviously have your upper level elite clubs where they're always going to be on wait lists. They don't need really help. But there's thousands of mid-level to even high-level clubs that, you know, really struggle to get a full roster. And I traced it back to, sorry about that phone just dropped a little bit. Um, I traced it back to uh, the sales process. Um, and when you look at the quintessential membership director, right, they hold a ton of different hats, um, right? They're doing member relations. They have billing questions. They're planning member events, all really important things that need to be done in a club setting, right? But inevitably, if you're focused on these things, um, sales and lead generation is going to fall by the wayside, right? So um, what we believe in is having both of those things happening, 
a solely dedicated sales staff to bringing new incoming members into your club. And ideally, it's somebody that understands the intricacies of member sales, right? They, they know that it's an experienced sale. It's not insurance. It's not a car, right? It's not something you have to do. It's a luxury, all right? So they have to, they have to be sold on the dream. They have to be sold on the lifestyle. And having somebody that can dedicate fully their time to doing really high quality lead generation and conducting very good tours, taking them through a fantastic sales process, right? If you do those things and then manage the whole process from a data-driven approach, that's where you start seeing some really big increases uh, in your membership sales efforts. If I'm counting correctly, I've heard the term lead generation now three times. Maybe, okay. I may have missed one. Can you dig exactly. a little deeper? You'd mentioned that you're uh, changing some lead generation uh, with the, through the, yeah. you know, the normalization. Can you talk sure. a little bit more about what you guys are doing differently at your clubs? Yeah, you know, through COVID, a lot of it was organic. You were seeing a big influx of uh, just organic incoming leads. We also shifted our focus to more virtual, right, um, during COVID. So we were doing a lot of online ads. We were conducting virtual tours. And, you know, we were able to obviously maximize on that boom. Now that things are going back to normal, we're putting into place a lot more events, right? Open house style events, um, throwing things like summer festivals uh, at the clubs. And we invite the community to the clubs. We have membership represented there. Um, we take them through a process and then that's how we're generating leads. So still continuing the online presence, which is so important but also now starting to layer more in-person things as that's kind of starting to normalize a little bit more. Um, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. So one of the benefits of the COVID boom, and there were plenty, but one of the mm -hmm. benefits was uh, an influx of money. And yeah. a lot of that money has been turned around. You know, you need money to make money, obviously. Uh, yep. Capital investments in the club. Uh, yep. Talk a little bit more about the capital investments you guys are seeing. Yeah, no, I mean, capital investments are so important in a club. You always want to stay modern. Um, you want to be shifting with, uh, you know, what the clientele, what the potential members want, what your current members want. Um, but I do think some clubs made a mistake by investing all of the cash that was coming in through the boom and just popping it back into big club renovations, right? We see so much success across the country at clubs that are not doing massive club renovations. They're just making small tweaks, right? Maybe it's adding a little outdoor dining space. Um, maybe it's redoing the bunkers. Maybe it's adding splash pad, things like that, right? So again, I wanna emphasize that capital improvements are great and you can leverage that very strong in the marketplace, right? That helps the sales process. Hey, look at all the investment that's happening at the club. Look at what's happening now. You can usually tie that investment with a price increase on your initiation fee, so you can leverage that in the market as well. Um, but I think that clubs need to really think about it, especially now that we're seeing downtrends um, before spending uh, all the capital reserves that they you know, were able to save through the COVID boom um, and just prepare for a, a, the potential of a recession, right? It's on everybody's mind. Look at the market, look at everything. Right. So I think now is the time when hold back some spend, really refocus on high quality lead generation, focus on your sales process. And it kind of moves into our last topic that we talked about, the wait list. Right. Making sure that you continue to stack members, that you resist the urge to cap your membership too early. 
before, you know, doing all the appropriate due diligence, all those things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we've seen with capital investment. Very important, but do it, do it smart um, and don't just blow through your money. <laughs> right, right. And that wait list. I mean, that is a word that clubs have been dying to hear and sure. really heard for a decade, really. So yeah. this is, this is kind of new. Uh, what can you say about that wait list? You'd mentioned not capping your, uh, your membership just, you know, quite so quickly. Yeah. Um, how important it is to, uh, to really work that wait list? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's more complex than you would think, right? Um, it's, it, in particular, equity-run clubs are um, very quick to talk about a waitlist and getting their clubs to a waitlist. And again, it, it, there's so many good things about a waitlist, but prior to doing that, I think clubs need to be realistic, right? And understand that, hey, golf, just golf in general, saw such a massive spike. I mean, we're talking literally 30%. Um, 30, 40%, just, just your current members played 30 to 40% more throughout COVID, right? So that right there inevitably is, is going to really stack your T-sheet. It's going to make it feel like there's course compaction. But now that that's normalizing, first, first things first, like really work with your golf staff um, and, and see what the T-sheet is doing. Track the trends because if they're going down and you cap, that prospect may go to another club, right? That doesn't have a wait list. Um, so that's, that's important. First things first, check your T-sheet, check your usage, see if your club is really at compaction. And if it is, then uh, the next best thing to do is then take a look to a full membership audit of all your categories, right? We've gone into so many different clubs, it's crazy, that have 40, 50 membership categories. Right. And it's through selling, you know, preview style memberships in the past, or maybe when the recession hit, they did group deals or whatever it may be. So oftentimes and more often than not, you have people at clubs that have same access levels as full members that are paying only a fraction of what full members are paying. So then it's time to make that hard decision and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we love having you as a member but here's where we're at. We're moving all of these subcategories into a full golf membership. Here's a dues increase. Here's an upgrade if, if it's necessary, right? Again, that's where you really need a professional looking at it and advising you through this process. But right, condensing those things down, it's going to either force attrition. So people are going to resign if they have a big dues increase or they're going to they're going to stay members right and they're going to become full members and the club's going to get a really nice capital injection with you know upgrade fees with new dues all that right so that's that's imperative that you do that as well but pending all that shakes out right and you're still at course compaction you've done your audit you've moved lower level categories that have the same levels uh, as full members into the higher level um, and you're still at compaction, then apply a wait list. Um, but you have to have a strategy. You want to keep marketing your membership, right? We have multiple clubs across the country that are on two, three-year wait list, and we're still selling. We've raised the initiation fees significantly. The club's still collecting capital through initiation fees, like a half down payment. Um, and we're able to keep selling, right? And now they're at true long-term long -term financial stability, right? Because they know for three years, even if we hit a recession, 
and we get a big 10, 15% uh, attrition rate over the next six, eight months, something like that, right? They know that they have 50, 60 people on a wait list that they can replace those dues instantaneously. They're not gonna, they're not gonna miss a stride. So then at that point, right, if you're on a two, three, four, five year wait list, Okay, then you can talk about, okay, now let's shift into, let's really worry about attrition. Let's focus on attrition, making sure that's as low as possible. Um, so yeah, you know, again, I think people jump to a wait list a little too quickly, and they don't do the appropriate steps prior to actually um, implementing a wait list at clubs. Wow. Thank you for all that information. That's yep. fantastic. And I hope it's going to help everybody that's listening right now. Um, yep. I'm going to get you out on this one. Grab your crystal ball, if you will. Okay. What does the next year? Okay. Let's, let's hope. I mean, let's, COVID may never go away entirely, but let's hope sure. that all the social distancing, all that stuff that we've heard about, right. Is gone. Uh, what are you looking at in a year? What are you looking at in five years? I mean, if you can kind of piece together the future. As far as where the industry as a whole will be or membership sales in particular? Membership sales particularly, but, you know, industry as a whole, you can big picture if you'd like. But uh, as far as really digging down on memberships, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think there's so many variables, right? Uh, Memberships are tied to the market. They are, right? That's discretionary spend. It's one of the first things to go in a recession. Um, So I I do see it falling a little bit. Um, You know, we're already seeing that. Uh, again, leads are down and that's kind of your canary in the coal mine, right? Your, your typical sales cycle, which is another interesting thing that COVID saw, your sales cycles were very, very quick. People were making decisions so fast in the matter of like two or three touches. Typically, it takes about 12 to 14 touches for a, a member to convert, right? And we're moving back into those cycles where people are taking a little bit longer to decide. So I think over the next month, we are going to continue to see a downturn. Um, I don't think it's going to get real drastic. Uh, people are still doing very good in business. There's still a lot of money out there. People are still, we're still selling a ton of memberships across the board. Uh, I think it's going to normalize. I think it's going to go back to pre pandemic levels. Um, and then I think we're probably going to stay there for a little bit. And the clubs that are really taking a proactive approach to sales and lead generation and making sure that they have a team dedicated to that, they're going to continue to see uh, immense growth uh, within their markets. Um, The clubs that aren't, and they kind of slip into the pattern of just letting the phone ring, letting organic um, leads come to them, as we are seeing that slow, um, they're going to start to struggle. Um, So again, I, I definitely, definitely encourage all membership directors, club leaders out there to take a true, honest assessment of their sales process and their lead generation process um, and have a look at it, right? If you feel like you could get better and things are starting to slow down, give somebody like us a call. We do complimentary club assessments. It's risk-free, no obligation. We'll take a look at what you guys are doing now. We'll give you some uh, uh, feedback on what we feel like you could be doing better. And if it makes sense for us to partner, we'll give you a proposal for our services. Um, but that's kind of what I see over the next year, two, three, four, five years. Uh, but golf is in a great state. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be doom and gloom. It is in a great state. Um, the industry as a whole has done incredibly through the whole COVID crisis, right? Reacting, making sure they had safe places for their members and really being able to capture a ton of new market coming uh, their way. So I'm really proud of the industry. 
but I do want to let people know, again, these trends that we are seeing are happening. These are facts. Um, so we want to make sure we're prepared and adjusting our strategies as they happen. Hey, hey, I'm a club. How am I going to get a hold of you? Yeah, pretty easy. You can go to our website. It's www.capstone-hospitality.com. You can email us at info at capstone-hospitality.com, or you can give us a call. My personal cell phone number is 561-445-7448. Give me a call. We'll put you in touch with our VP and EVP of business development, um, and we'll start taking a look at your club. Fantastic. Hey, if you're calling, Brian, please, you know, normal business hours, okay? Let's not call him at 10, 11 o'clock at night. No, I'm Brian good with Friedrichs. that. No, okay, okay. Brian Friedix, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. You want to hear a quick funny story about business hours? Give it to me. It's a good one. So we just I just had my first kid with my wife, um, born on 2222, right? So she's in labor, and I get a text message from Nemecolon Woodlands Resort, Tom Smith, great guy. And he says, Hey interested in your guys' service. We want to do an incredible membership offering. We hear you're the, the, you're the company you get in contact with. I say, Tom, I'd love to talk to you right now, but my wife is in labor. <laughs> can, can I call you in a little bit? And he, his mind was blown that I even responded. So we ended up, you know, partnering with them and it's a, it's a great story, a great intro story. So you can call me anytime. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, I've been the Nemecolons. It's a beautiful property. Crazy, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Wait, yeah, wait till you renovated the golf course. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Wait till you see the membership offering we're going to release there. It's it's going to be a special, special one. So make sure you hit us up with some information. I will. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Right, take care, Brian. Bye-bye now. Later. See you, bye.